Yesterday was my study day. I got up about 8.30 yesterday morning and I, I sat down at the table and I began to study and I, I just I stayed there all day and, and um, finally about, I guess it was 4 or 5 o'clock that evening, I thought I, I was getting real, real tired. I'd been sitting there behind this thing all day long, so I thought I'm just going to lay down and take me a nap for a minute. I laid down, took about an hour nap, and then I got back up and I sit down in front of it and I started studying again. Finally, about 9 o'clock last night, I pretty well had my message together. And I started thinking, um, I'd like to have something just uh, uh, funny or something good to go with this message. Something I can get people's minds going on it. And uh, so I started looking for a, a joke about the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. Now everybody in here has had those experiences, right? You've been in a situation where the devil's on this side, the angel's on this side, and you're trying to figure out just exactly which way you're going to go. But I searched and I searched and I searched, and 9.30 last night I was, I was sitting there and I couldn't find anything, and then my phone rung, and it was Anna. And Anna said, uh, it's like 9.30 at night, and, and Anna said, I would like to, uh, to give a testimony or just speak a little bit in front of the church tomorrow. Well, before I ever let anybody just get up and speak, because um, I've learned the hard way from things, but before I just let somebody get up and speak, I ask, exactly what is it that you would like to say? Because before you get up in front of this crowd and start saying something, I'm going to know exactly what it is that you're going to say. So she told me exactly what it was that she wanted to say, and I said, that's it. That's it. This is exactly what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the spiritual warfare that is going on. The battleground is in your mind. Let me tell you that. Her enemy is not her friend that was telling her, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to be more open, Anna. You can't just be so radically Christian about this, Anna. That's not her enemy. Flesh and blood was not the one doing this. It was a battle that was going on in Anna's mind. It was a battle that was being fought to see whether God's authority would reign and rule in her life or whether she would give in to the temptations of sin and to rule with Satan. One of the two. Spiritual warfare. I started doing a little research on um, um, spiritual warfare and I, I come across this um, little testimony about a show that I never actually saw until I started, started watching some, some YouTube clips to see what they were talking about. I never have been one that watched Saturday Night Live. I just I never did. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever even watched it one time. But Saturday Night Live used to have a skit back in the 1980s called The Church Lady. I got some laughs. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all wasn't, wasn't where you are today in 1980, were you? <laughs> but I started watching this skit, and it was called The Church Lady. Now, I'm going somewhere, so don't be offended. i am actually got a point to make with this, all right? So let me just throw the world in here for a minute so I can make my point. But I started watching some of these skits. It's called The Church Lady. The church lady was a male actor who would dress up as this woman that he acted like he used to go to church with her whenever he was a kid. He said that she was one that took records of everybody that was there and weren't there. And you were going to give an account every week if you didn't show up for services or this and that. And he started making fun of these um, holier-than-thou Christians is what it was supposed to be. 
But what the show turned into was he began to have celebrities come onto the show and as these celebrities and sports athletes would come on the show, he would interview them as the church lady and ask them questions about sinful things that were going on in the world. And as they would respond to these big sinful things the news media would bring up, then he, the church lady would stop and ask the question and say, do you think it could be Satan? And when she said that, the place just erupted in laughter. And I began to think about this. For much of the world today, the idea that there is actually an invisible war going on, that Satan is trying to war for your souls and trying to get you to do this and do that is funny to the world. And I thought about a movie that I saw years ago. I don't remember the name of the movie, but there was a famous quote from a French poet in there that this guy used. The actor was Kevin Spacey, and he was talking to a detective about this um, invisible guy. Anyway, that don't even matter, but he made a quote. He said, Detective... The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And you know what? I agree with that. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing you that he don't exist. He stays just invisible enough to make you think that who you're actually fighting is flesh and blood. He stays in the back scenes just enough to make you have thoughts and things in your mind that will cause you to walk away from the authority of God, just like he did with Adam and Eve. I want you to think about this. In the Bible, it tells us that Satan was an angel named Lucifer. It says that he was a beautiful creature. He was an anointed covering cherub or massive burning angel. He was a covering cherub that covered the, the mercy seat of God, the holy seat that God sit on. He had pipes and timbrels that he played as a worship leader. And the Bible says that his beauty was so great that his heart became lifted up in himself and he decided he wanted to be God. He decided that today I am going to raise and lift my throne above the throne of God. And because of that, a war broke out in heaven. If you'll, let, let's just look at a few of these verses. Look at Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 15, Tim. Uh, and he'll have it so you don't have to flip because we're going to look at several. Let's just read it. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now here's the thing about it. Most of us look at that and go, wow, how could anybody actually do that? I bet there are times in your life you've done it. And here's why I want to say. Basically what Satan is saying here is this. I don't need the authority of God in my life. I can rule and reign above my own command. 
I can have all of my desires fulfilled. I can do all that I want to do. I will be like the Most High. All will praise and worship me. And this got Satan cast out of heaven. And a war began. Look at Revelations chapter 12 verse 4. They called him a dragon in Revelations. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Basically, the only thing you need to know here is this. What this tells us is that it is actually believed that when Satan was through from heaven that a third of the stars or the angels is what they were. A third of the angels. Now, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Jesus tell them at any time he could call so many legions of angels? There are many, 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 many angels that were created. And a third of those angels followed him. A third of them were actually deceived by him to the point that they said... He is like the Most High and we're going to follow Him. He was a great deceiver. He was a liar. Jesus called Him the Father of lies. That was His resources. And He drew a third of the stars. So now, here we have Lucifer who has power. The Bible says He has power. It is limited, but He has power. And then we have a third of the angels who also have power and they have great influence but they are spiritual beings. This is a spiritual battle that we're talking about that is taking place. Paul describes this war in Romans chapter 7. Go with me there if you would. Romans chapter 7 verse 15 through 25. Look at what Paul says about this battle that takes place. Remember, when Satan drew these angels, what he was trying to do was he was deceiving them to reject the authority of God and trust in his authority. So keep that in mind. Look at Romans chapter and let's look at what's going on inside of us right now. Starting in verse 15 of Romans chapter 7. There you go. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I want to do, that I don't practice. And But what I hate, that's what I do. If then I do what I don't want to do, I can agree with God's law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will or to do good, it is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I want to do, I don't do. But the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I practice. Now if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to my inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring. Y'all catch that? Warring against my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members O wretched man that I am 
who will deliver me from this body of death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Do you hear what Paul is saying right here? He's saying that there is a battle that is going on in each side of us. Every single one of you have an angel and a devil on your shoulders. And every single one of you get in situations in your life and thoughts come into your mind and things happen in your life to make thoughts come into your mind to make you have to make a decision. Either I am going to stay in this and, 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 and submit to the authority of God because He is the Most High or I will choose to do what I want to do, what my flesh desires and I will submit to the authority of Satan and his angels. You see that war, do you not? This ought to be evidence in your own life. I believe if I were to go around the room, every single one of you could tell me a time in your life to where this side of you said, this is what God would have. And this side of you says, this is what I would have. And if that is the case, you know the war that I'm talking about. It's not actually invisible. This is a war that is taking place that the majority of the world, when you look and say, Satan told me to do it, they laugh. Satan told you to do it? <laughs> yeah, that's like my dog ate my homework. That's the way the world thinks. It is. But there is actually this war going on and Paul describes it. He says it is a wrestling that takes place. Paul, did you hear the, 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 the suffering in Paul when he said what I want to do, that's not what I do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. He said who is going to save me from this body of death, this wretched man that I am? Jesus Christ will save me from this. He said the war will be won by following Jesus in his ways. The war will be won by trusting in Christ and letting him show us how to win the battle. I want to go a little bit further. Look back with me again at Ephesians chapter 6. I told you hold your place there. So if you lost it, then it's your own fault. Ephesians chapter 6. I lost it. It's my fault. Finally, my brethren, in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It's not your might. You see that, right? Put on the whole armor of God. He didn't say put on all your armor. He didn't say get in the gym and build your muscles. He didn't say get out there and practice your martial arts. He said, put on the whole armor of God. He said, there's an armor that can only come from God. There's an armor that only has power in His might. And you have to put on the whole of it that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles actually means the cunning arts or the deception or trickery. It says you've got to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what that's saying right there? The devil is coming to you. It is inevitable. There is coming a time in your life, Christian or not. Listen, if you're a non-Christian, 
His job is to put something in your life to keep you from submitting to the authority of God. If you are a Christian, His job is to put something in your life to try to get you to reject the authority of God or try to get you to not further anybody else from coming to the authority of God. Let me give you an example. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. God says, do not eat the fruit from this tree lest you die. Then, all of a sudden, they have submitted to God's authority. Christian, right? Submitting to God's authority, walking in a light. Satan comes on the scene and his job is to do the same thing he did with the angels. He's got to get as many as he can to reject the authority of God because I will be like the Most High. Was that not what he said? So now he needs to get as many as he can to reject the authority of God. So he steps on the scene and he says, Did God really say you will die if you eat this fruit? And Eve begins to think, well, you know, did God really say that? Yeah, 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 he said it. But then, not only did he tell her a half-truth to try to get her to get her mind thinking about this, but then he comes on the scene, he says, and you know, he really just don't want you to eat it because it's good. Look at it. Look how good it looks. He really just don't want you to have it because it's pleasant to you and he's trying to keep these things from you. He really don't want you to have it because if you eat it, you'll be like him. And Eve says, you know what? I believe that. And then she gives it to her husband. He believes it too. And they eat. And exactly what God said would happen, happened. But he was successful. He came in and he got the Christian to reject the authority of God and to go after the thing that was going to be pleasant for them. They listened to the devil on their shoulder instead of listening to the authority of God. So it says here, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The trickery, the deception, it is coming to you if it has not already. I want you to think about Job. He tried to trick and deceive Job into rejecting the authority of God. The Bible said Job was perfect in all his ways. He was a perfect and an upright man. He feared God and he shunned evil. He followed the authority of God. And yet, the devil comes on the scene and he says, um, God, the only reason Job is following you is because you bless him the way that you do. The only reason he keeps loving you is because of all that you give him. If you were to begin to take some of these away from him, he'll curse you and he'll reject your authority. And God says, no he won't. No he won't. Job is true to me, and he'll stay true to me. So God gives Satan permission. Go after Job. So Satan comes down, and he takes Job's possessions. He takes Job's family. Yes, there are going to be times in your life that your family members are going to die. There are going to be times in your life that your children will pass away. There are going to be times in your life that God allows Satan to come in and to give you a test. And the question is, is do you see more value in God than in anything He's ever given you? If you do, 
then there is no amount of suffering that you will not endure in order to stay true to the one and living God. But if you don't value God as supremely valuable, then when those types of sufferings come in, you will listen to the lie of Satan and you will begin to reject the authority of God and you will begin to follow your own desires, your own paths. You will go into depression and all other types of things because you, you have failed for his trickery. So Satan is wrestling, is what it said. It said in verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 6, <coughs> excuse me, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That word wrestling, it actually goes back to a gymnasium that they used to get in, the gladiators and stuff, and they would literally get in there and wrestle. And there were two ways to win this wrestling match. One way, you had to be able to lift your opponent up and drop him on your knee and break his back. That was one way you could win when you wrestled. Another way that you won this thing when you wrestled, you had to pin your opponent to the ground and grab him by his windpipe and either he submitted to your authority or you crushed his windpipe and he died. One of the two. That was the only ways to win. If you submitted to his authority, you still lost because you'd never wrestle again. You would be a laughter of the town, people. So he says that we wrestle, we're in a match that is a deadly match against not flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the, heavy, in the heavenly places. Therefore, he says, you've got to take up the whole armor of God that we might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. Look what Paul says this wrestling does to us. He says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not in us. In verse 8, We are hard-pressed on every side. Let me tell you what this wrestling with Satan does. It's a, it's a battle. It's a battle. Paul says we're hard-pressed on every side. He says, yet we are not crushed. He says, we are perplexed, but we are not in despair. He says, we are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. He says, and we are always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Verse 11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. In other words, you're going to suffer the same way Jesus suffers. He says that we are hard-pressed on every side. We are perplexed, or that word perplexed means that we are full of complications or difficulty. If you're a Christian this morning, let me go on and get you ready. Your life is going to be full of complications. Whoever that minister was that told you, come to Jesus and there's going to be joy and peace and happiness and gold and silver and much, uh, much good things in this world. Let me tell you something. He lied to you because you were thinking in the fleshly realm. Gold, silver, peace, joy, everything being just fine. The peace and joy that comes is the knowledge of what's on the other side. That's why you have everlasting peace. 
That's why you have everlasting joy. It ain't because things get better here. Let me tell you something. They don't. When you become a Christian, things get worse here in this world. Jesus actually told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus actually talked to them about the hour of trial. He said that there is an hour of trial that is coming on everyone in the world. In other words, there is a moment in your life, if you have not already been there, or maybe you've done been in several 15 minutes worth of them, but there is an hour coming in your life of great trial. So I want to say to you, get ready. A wrestling match is coming. And you better have your armor on or you will not win. You will be defeated. But I want to remind you of this. It's only an hour. Did y'all hear what I just said? An hour is only an hour. There is a little bit of suffering that must be endured for a little while for an eternal reward. An hour is only an hour, but the wiles of the devil, they are coming. So how is it that as Christians we are expected to be able to withstand these incredible pressures? And they are incredible pressures. I want you to just think about it for a minute. Job, you have a servant come to you and say, uh, people have come in, they have attacked all of your sheep, your oxen, everything's gone. Your, uh, your, your sons and your daughters have all been killed. Your servants have all been taken away. And then all in the next breath, they come and they tell you that you're cancer ridden and there's leprosy all over your body and you don't have very many days to live. So now not only do you not have any family, any possessions, but now you're sitting there in an ash heap covered up in the worst pain you've ever been in in all your life. And yet he says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Don't you know all this time that Satan was coming at him in his head going, well, he didn't. He come to him with his wife one time. Satan come to him to his wife and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just reject the authority of God and come on over here to my side? Now see, if it was that obvious, what choice would you make? If you actually saw a little red man with forks and pitchforks and little tail coming out with a point on the end of it and he said, you can follow God or you can follow me, which one are you going to follow? Well, God. But the greatest trick he ever pulled was convincing you that he don't exist. So when the thought comes in your mind that says, it's easier for you to just curse God and reject his authority and go this way, you say, yeah, I agree with you. It is easier. And that's the path I'm going to go. And then he's won. You just lost the battle. The wiles of the devil have just defeated you. But just like when Anna's life, whenever the devil came at her and said, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to be more open to things. She looked the devil in the eye and she said, I won't follow you. I will not follow you. I don't care if it ruins my career. I won't follow you. I don't care if I never get to be a model. I won't follow you. I will follow the one true God because there is nothing more valuable than Him in my life. 
She fought against the wiles of the devil and she won. So I ask the question again, how is it that as Christians we are expected to withstand these incredible pressures and not be defeated? How do we deal with loss of possessions, family, health, and, 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 and refusing fleshly desires and thoughts in our mind, but still trust God and follow Him all the way? And go back to verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, because I want to show you. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, the answer is this, we have a treasure in these earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And if you were to back up and read that whole chapter in the chapter before, you would realize the treasure he's talking about is the Spirit of God. God said that he gave us a gift his Holy Spirit. The treasure is His Holy Spirit. And according to John chapter 14 verse 25, it said that He is our helper. The things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Go to verse 26. That's all I gave him, verse 25. So y'all may have to give him just a minute. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now remember, they didn't have the Bible at this time. But the Holy Spirit would help them remember everything that Jesus said. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father but by following him. And he says that the Holy Spirit is going to be in you and he will teach you all things. He will now use this word since Jesus is not with us today. The Holy Spirit will now use his word, the teachings and the ways of Jesus Christ. And he will take that scripture and that truth and he will remind you of the things that you are supposed to do to be able to defeat the wiles of the devil. So that's how we're supposed to do it. The Spirit of God gives us all the tools that we need to overcome all the wiles of Satan. Now back in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul relates all of the tools of the Spirit to a soldier's armor. Ephesians was one of the letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison. And in prison, he would have been sitting there looking at a Roman soldier guarding his cell. And as he sit there, I can imagine that Paul probably looked at this armor and he started thinking about all the ways the Holy Spirit helps us overcome. Now you're sitting in prison, beaten with stripes, and the only thing that comes to your mind is how can I help somebody else overcome? Paul had the whole armor of God. And he begins to describe them to us in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 14. Listen to what he says. Actually, let's start in verse 13. He tells us to take up the whole armor of God, to be able to withstand Satan. That word withstand means to oppose with force or with determined resolution. In other words, when you're withstanding, I'm not only standing against him, but I'm pushing him back. He's steady more driving back. And he says that it's going to get so tough. Things are going to get so tough in your Christian life. You're going to push so hard and you're going to become so weak from your pushing that it's going to get to a point that he says that take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all that you can do to just be able to stand. That word stand means that to be to remain in an upright position 
you may not be able to push him back anymore. You may not be able to drive him away from you anymore, but you can stand and him not move you and gain any ground on you. You're so weak, you don't even know what to do anymore. But the one thing you can do is stand like Job did on the ash heap and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. God, I can't move. I can't breathe. I don't know what my next step is. I don't even know if I'm going to make it through this. But God, I trust you. He ain't gaining no ground on me. I will not reject your authority. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There is coming an evil day. It's inevitable. And having done all to stand, to just be able to hold your ground and not be moved, to maintain an upright position, and then go on to verse 14. He says, then stand therefore. Just stand and have gird. Make sure you have your waist girded with truth. He says, make sure that the first tool that you do is that it's just like this soldier that wears this waist that's girded with his truth. He, he said this waist is the thing about a gird. We'll look at a few scriptures here in just a second if we have time. But the, the reason they would do this is because they wore long flowing robes. And a soldier, if he were to try to just let this robe hang out whichever way it went, it took up so much space and it flowed over so much space that if he were to try to actually battle with this thing, his knees would get caught in it, he would trip over the thing. He could not be ready for action unless he had his waist girded with a belt. So they would take this belt and they would actually pull all of their garment in to the middle and they would cinch it up. And then they would take all the, the, the excess, if it hung below the knees, they wanted it just above the knees to where their knees didn't get hung in it whenever they moved. They had a strategy behind why they wore it this way. And they would pull the garment up to where it would be just above their knees and they would tuck it up in this belt. And then they would take the excess on the sides and they would pull up around so that it fit tight against their back and they would... Bring all that up in the front, pull it between the back of their legs and bring it up in the middle and then tie it right here in the front so that everything was girded up and there was nothing hanging and in the way to stop them from being able to be ready for action. I'll give you another example. It wasn't just the soldiers that girded their waist. Look with me at Luke chapter 12 verse 35 through 40. This is what Jesus told his disciples. He says, let your waist be what? Girded. And let your lamps be burning. The word girded actually means to be fully encompassed all the way around, cinched tightly. He says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Go to verse 36. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him what? You know, basically, we ain't even got to go to the next one. I'm not even going to finish that. Basically, here's all that they're saying about your waist being girded. He's saying, always be ready. Let me tell you something, people. Today may be a good day for you. Tomorrow's coming. Today may be on top of the world. Today, you've got a good job. Today, you've got a good house. Today, you've got a nice car. Today, you, you, everything, you got all your kids, all your family. Today, you got your health. Tomorrow, you don't. Tomorrow, the day of trial is coming, and he says here, you better be ready. 
Don't be sitting around thinking that, well, everything's just going good. Nothing's going to happen. Go on and prepare yourself right now. I'm not saying sit around your house and worry about whether this is going to happen or whether that's going to happen. But I am saying be ready. Tomorrow the doctor tells you that your heart ain't working like it used to. Tomorrow you walk in and the doctor says you've got stage 4 cancer. Tomorrow you walk in and, and your two-year-old, he's, he's not going to make it. Tomorrow you walk in and your employer says, we don't need you anymore. We've got somebody else that can do your job for a lot cheaper than what we pay you. We don't really need you anymore. Tomorrow you're 60 years old. You don't have your health. You don't have your house. You don't have your car. The only thing you have is your God. But are you still okay? If you've got the whole armor of God, you may be sitting on your ash heap and you may be crying. But you know what you're saying? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of God. I'm not going to finish up. Next week I'm going to start with the belt of truth because I've got too much more to go. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Just a little bit about the belt of truth for just a minute. The way the devil works in your life, he's coming into your mind with a thought. That's the way it's working. Now he may use outside influences. He may use the loss of family possession and things and, and all kinds of turmoil in your life. But the way that he's going to get you is in your mind. The way he's going to get you is when he uses these things and you get down and he says, why don't you just reject God? Why don't you just quit following him? He ain't good to you. The way he's going to get you is he's going to get in your marriage and you're going to, he's going to find you in the midst of the worst situation you've been in and he's going to say, why don't you just quit? Why don't you just quit? Why don't you just give up? And at that point, you've got a decision to make. You're either going to trust the authority of God and say, God, you're going to get me through this. Or you're going to say, it's just so much easier for me to be able to go the other way. You need to be able to look the devil in the eye with the truth to say, I got in this thing to win it. And I'm not leaving until you tell me that it's time to leave. You look the devil in the face and you remind him that I don't care if i got to be open to be successful. We're not going down that road. I'm not rejecting the authority of God to stand on the devil's playground. You're going to look him in the eye the next time you're sitting in front of that computer and, 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 and you want to go to some porn and you're going to look at that devil in the eye and you're going to remind him that to look, because listen, what he's going to tell you is this. He's going to say, you know, there's nothing wrong with just admiring the beauty of a woman. You know how many times I've heard that. How many times have I heard a man tell me, do you really think it's anything wrong with just admiring the beauty of a woman? Yeah, God's creation. That's right. Let me tell you something. We've got to start recognizing that those are lies from the devil. Yes, that is God's creation, but it's still looking upon with lust. And you've got to learn to recognize that when he tries to give you an excuse to make you go a path that is not under the authority of God, that you look him dead in the eye and you have on the armor of God, your belt of truth, that you're girded up and you're ready to look him in the face just like Eve should have done and said, 
Whenever Satan said, has God really said that if you eat of this you'll die, she should have looked him out and said, yes, that's exactly what he said. That's exactly what he said and that's all I need to know. But because of this war that goes on inside of us, a lot of times we choose the wrong way. But who shall save me from this wretched man that I am? Jesus Christ will save you. He will cover all of our wretchedness, all of our wrong. But then he tells us to get back on the path and follow him. Putting on the whole armor of God. Submitting to God's authority. Resisting the devil. And there will come a day he will flee. Examine your own heart this morning. I don't know what God has spoke to you personally. I pray that he has spoke something to you that can lift you up. I hope that exhortation has been spoke this morning so that if you're one of those that's been being backed down, that you'll stand back strong and start withstanding and gaining back the ground that he took from you. I pray that you see God as so supremely valuable that there is no temptation of this world that you are going to give into in order to reject him and begin to play on Satan's playground. But don't be deceived, people. He is the father of lies. And every day he's coming at you with something different. Young ladies, he is. Springtime's coming on, young ladies. I'm just going to be straight with you. Springtime's coming on. And there's going to be some awful cute short shorts in these retail stores. I mean, what's a little bit of butt cheek hanging out, right? That's what he's going to say. That's what he's going to say. That's all, and that's all they yeah, yeah, that's all they've got. They ain't got nothing else for sale out there. Listen, I take you down there to Amish making clothes every day. You see the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that you have decisions to make every day about what authority you're going to submit to. If God is not valuable enough for you, then you won't submit to it. You will do exactly what is easiest and best for you. But I pray that he becomes the most valuable thing in your life. Trust him. No matter what Satan does to you, no matter what he takes from you, you remember the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord.